Nam o myoho renge kyo, nam o myoho renge kyo, nam o myoho renge kyo. Hello, friends. I hope this finds you in good health and secure. Uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for your practice. Uh, you'll probably hear a lot of noise in the background. It is going to be raining all day. Um, yeah, it's been, what, it was two days ago. It was about eight degrees at this time. Uh, today it's 56, I think. Um, you just can't tell in Mississippi what the heck is going on. <laughs> it's a very confused state. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, I apologize if the light's a little funny. Um, the co one of the consequences of raining all day is it's pretty dark, so not, any, not much outside lying. I've got LED lights and my studio lights here, so hopefully I won't look too alien. Uh, Bodhisattva never disparaging. You've heard me talk before about as we course in the world, right? In our whether it's you have a job or or your own business or uh, however you exist in the physical world, uh, negotiating with our samsaric mind. Um, one of the exercises we can try to remain aware of is that when we meet anyone whether it's uh, someone we know uh, someone you know at work an associate somebody we don't know reminding ourselves maybe before we open our mouths that they have potential for buddha in them yes everyone does everything does but try to get our mind because our mind is so fast, right? Those monkeys are so fast, judgmental, putting things into cubbies, and it affects our epistemology, right? Are just like our epistemology. It's like a living, breathing epistemology happening in each moment. And it can lead us astray. It can lead us to say things, well, have you ever regretted something you said? This is what I'm talking about. So this chapter, it's really about that. Uh, the Bodhisattva never disparaging. So here we go. And hopefully you can hear me okay above this din. Maybe it'll just sort of fade into the background, I'm hoping. At that time, the Buddha declared to the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, it's getting louder. <laughs> uh, can you say karma? Let's go ahead. At that time, the Buddha declared to the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, gainer of great strength, you should know, you should now know this. If a bhikshu, bhikshuni, upasaka, upasika, holds to this scripture of the Dharma Blossom, the Smyoho Dengekyo, and if anyone with a foul mouth abuses or maligns him or her, then that later person shall receive repercussions for great error, such as was formerly described, while the merit gained by the former, the bhikshu, upasika, so on and so forth, shall be as just mentioned, for his eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, and mind shall be pure. So that's the lesson from the last chapter we're carrying over into this one. With the caveat that if people foul mouth you, put you down, malign you, 
calumniate you. They're the ones who bear that responsibility, not you. And on a related topic, I have videos about this. Taking offense is exactly what the words suggest. If somebody is endeavoring to offend you, that's their problem. They're demonstrating their pain. You should, in fact, be sympathetic to them. Because what they're offering isn't something you need to take. It's taking offense. Just because it's being given doesn't mean it's yours to take. It indicates their state of life, their conditions, not yours. So don't take offense. Do you see? So there's very much this description here. If somebody offends you, well, they're going to receive the, re the re uh, repercussions of that, not you. You, in fact, if you hold your reactions and see them with compassion, you actually stand to gain a great deal. Right? So, he goes on. O gainer of great strength. No accident that that's the name of this bodhisattva, right? Long ago, beyond incalculable, unlimited asamkaya kalpas, not subject to reckoning or discussion, there was a Buddha named King of Imposing Sound. A thus come one, worthy of offerings of right and universal knowledge, his clarity and conduct perfect, well gone, understanding the world, an unexcelled worthy, a regulator of men of stature, a teacher of gods and men, a Buddha, a world-honored one whose kalpa was named free of deterioration, whose realm was named great coming into being. Okay, this is all good stuff. That Buddha, king of imposing sound, in that world preached the Dharma to God's men's asuras, to those who sought the rank of voice hearers preaching a Dharma corresponding to the four truths with which to save them from birth, old age, sickness, and death, and to enable them to achieve perfect nirvana. To those who sought the rank of Pratyaka Buddha, preaching a dharma corresponding to the 12 causes and conditions, to the bodhisattvas in keeping with Anuttara Samyak Sambodai, enlightenment in this life, in this form. Preaching a dharma corresponding to the six paramitas with which to achieve perfect Buddha knowledge. O gainer of great strength, this Buddha, king of imposing sound, had a lifespan of kalpas equal in number to the sands of 40 myriads of millions of Nayutas of Ganges' rivers. His true dharma, abiding in the world for kalpas equal in number to the atoms in one jampudvipa, one cosmos. His counterfeit dharma, the dharma leading to the full dharma, in the world for kalpas equal in number to the atoms of four uh, worlds under heaven. Under that Buddha had benefited the beings then and only then did he pass into extinction. After his true dharma and counterfeit dharma had perished utterly, in that land there emerged yet another Buddha, also named King of Imposing Sound, a thus come one worthy of offerings, world-honored one. Now why he needs to create this multiple fold of Buddhas I believe this is just another device to 
get the mind to break loose of contemporaneous time as an as a, a linear accrual of mo of time and moments to be collected right um even though he's exploring this collection he's making it rather meaningless this happened so long ago isn't that amazing yes it's amazing can we get on with it yeah so our contemporary minds just want to get moving don't they his conduct, his clarity, perfect. Teacher of God, blah, blah, blah. Once in a sequence such as this, there were two myriads of millions of Buddhas, all of the same name. So now he's getting tired of doing this repetition. So now he's just saying, okay, repeat this in your mind two million times, okay? Buddha, 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 Buddha. Buddha is the energy of life. Got it? Okay. When the first thus come one named king of imposing sound had passed into extinction and after his true dharma had perished in the midst of his counterfeit dharma, big shoes of overweening pride had great power. Right now, Nitrin is quoted as saying that Hinayana in his day was being used against Mahayana. Actually, in some sectors, still going on today. Um... And this is what this is, it's Shakyamuni is talking about. That there's going to be times when these monks who are studying the counterfeit dharma, the semblance dharma, don't understand that the dharma that they're trying to achieve is a temporary respite on the way to the, the true dharma. But they're arrogant. They think they're special. So they don't think they have to go any further. Right, And unfortunately, that pride becomes indicative of their intolerance and their so on and so forth. So, at that time, there was a Bodhisattva Bhikshu named Never Disparaging. O gainer of great strength. For what reason was he named Never Disparaging? He's giving away the personification naming convention of the whole, all the teachings, yes? Whomever this bhikshu saw, be it a bhikshu, a bhikshuni, an upasaka, an upasika, right? A layperson, a nun, a monk, whoever he would see practicing Buddhism, he would do obeisance to them, oh, and utter praise, saying, for instance, I profoundly revere you all. I dare not hold you in contempt. What is the reason? You are all treading the bodhisattva path and shall succeed in becoming Buddhas. So this bhikshu did not simply read and recite the scriptural canon, but rather did obeisance too, to the point that when he saw the fourfold multitude from afar, he would make a special point of going to them doing obeisance and uttering praise, saying, I dare not hold you in, at all in contempt since you are all to become Buddhas. Right? Now, if you're an arrogant Buddhist and you think, yeah, I'm already there, dude, to have somebody come up to you and say, you're going to be a Buddha, you're like, yeah, piss off. <laughs> right? If you're, if you're one of these being described as 
incredibly prideful, arrogant. So what happens? Within the fourfold multitude were some who gave way to anger, right? Whose thoughts were impure, who reviled him with a foul mouth, saying, This know-nothing bhikshu, whence does he come? He himself says, I do not hold you in contempt. Yet he presumes to prophesy to us that we will succeed in becoming Buddhas. We have no need of such idle prophecies, dumbass. Right? In this way, throughout the passage of many years, he was constantly subjected to abuse. Yet he did not give way to anger, but constantly said, You shall become Buddhas. When he spoke these words, some in the multitude would beat him with sticks and staves, with tiles and stones. He would run away and abide in a, at a distance, yet he would still proclaim in a loud voice, I dare not hold you in contempt. You shall all become Buddhas. Since he constantly said those words, the overweening bhikshus and bhikshunis, upasakas and upasikas, called him never disparaging. He'll never say anything about you that's untoward or anything. He'll he'll never, di uh, um, what's the word, disparage you. Um, I was thinking of another word, but anyway. This bhikshu, when faced with the end of his life, in open space, heard distinctly 20,000 myriads of millions of gathas of the scripture of the Dharma Blossom. Namo myoho renge kyo, yeah? Previously preached by the Buddha, king of imposing sound. He was later in life, he was decrepit, and he, he was felt surrounded by Myoho Rengekyo. Nietzsche kind of talks about this, doesn't he? And which he was able to fully accept and hold, and straight away he attained the above-mentioned purity of ocular faculty, purity of oral, nasal, lingual, bodily, and mental faculties. So he got all that purification from practicing the scripture of the lotus blossom, you yeah. know? So, having attained this purity of the six faculties, he increased his lifespan yet further by 200 millions of myriads of nayutas of years, broadly preaching to others this scripture of the Dharma blossom. Now, did he live billions of years? No, that's not the point. His influence, his behavior, that kind of forbearance, left an impression that lasted a very, very long time. That's the message here, right? At that time, the overweening fourfold multitude of bhikshus, bhikshunis, upasakas and upasikas who had made light of this man and held him cheaply, who had dubbed him with the name Never Disparaging, saw that he had acquired the power of great supernatural penetration the eloquent power of joy in preaching, and the power of great, wholesome quiescence. And hearing what he had preached, all bowed down in belief and followed him. Ooh, tables turned. At least they were smart enough to see the real thing when it happened. This Bodhisattva also converted a multitude of thousands of myriads of millions, causing them to dwell in Anuttara Samyak Sambodai complete perfect enlightenment. After his life had ended, 
He was able to encounter 2,000 millions of Buddhas, all named sun and moon glow. Within their Dharma, he preached the scripture of the Dharma blossoms, blossom, and then by these means again encountered 2,000 millions of Buddhas, identically named King of Illumination, who is Master of the Clouds. Within these Buddhas' Dharma, he received and held, read and recited, and for the fourfold multitude preached this scriptural canon for which he attained this purity of his ordinary eye as well as the purity of oral, nasal, lingual, bodily, and mental faculties, preaching the Dharma within the fourfold multitude with a heart free of fear. O gainer of great strength, this Bodhisattva Mahasattva never disparaging, having made offerings to such great numbers of Buddhas, having humbly revered them, honored them, held them in solemn esteem, and praised them, thus planting wholesome roots, therefore once again encountered a thousand myriad of millions of Buddhas, and within their Buddha Dharma as well, preached this scriptural canon, achieving merit and being on the point of becoming a Buddha. O gainer of great strength, in your thinking, how is it? At that time, can the Bodhisattva never disparaging possibly have been anyone else? For he was indeed myself. If I had not received and kept, read and recited this scripture, nor preached it to others in a previous age, I should not have been able to quickly attain Anuttara Samyak Sambodai. It is because in the presence of former Buddhas I did accept and hold, read and recite this scripture and preach it to others that I quickly attained Anuttara Samyak Sambodai. O gainer of great strength, the fourfold multitude of that time, the bhikshus, bhikshunis, and upasakas, and upasikas, because they held me lightly and cheaply with their hateful thoughts for 200 millions of kalpas, never met a Buddha nor heard the Dharma nor saw the Sangha. For a thousand kalpas in the Avicii hell, they suffered great pain and agony when they had finished paying this penalty. Once again, they encountered the Bodhisattva, never disparaging, who converted them by teaching them Anuttara Samyak Sambodai. O gainer of great strength in your thinking, how is it? Can the fourfold multitude of that time, who constantly held this Bodhisattva lightly, possibly have been anyone else? Nay, they are in the midst of this very assembly, to wit, the 500 bodhisattvas headed by uh, Bhadrapala, the 500 nuns headed by Lion Moon, um, and the 500 upasakas headed by Thoughtful of the Buddha. She was conscious of the well-gone one. All persons who shall not backslide from Anuttara Samyak Sambodai, O gainer of great strength. Let it be known that this scripture of the Dharma Blossom greatly benefits the Bodhisattva Mahasattvas, being able to cause them to reach Anuttara Samyak Sambodai. For this reason, after the extinction of the Daskam One, the Bodhisattva Mahasattvas are ever to accept and keep, read and recite, interpret and copy this scripture. At that time, the world-honored one wishing to restate this meaning proclaimed Gathas, saying, and before I start reading the Gathas, looking at the time here. Okay, this was, um, 
Uh, hopefully you picked up on this by now, but the format, he talks about all these past Buddhas and these past people and uh, the teaching moving from one to another and all this time past. I've already said this, but he's using this device again, or they are using this device again, to demonstrate that Buddha, Buddha-ness, is a fundamental aspect of everything in the cosmos, obviously including you and I. And so you can picture, as he's speaking here, when he says, could this be anyone else, he's talking about his own lifetime. They've all seen him as a man, a human, right? The story seated beneath the Bodhi tree, right? And this has been described in various ways, poetically or storytelling, about him experiencing dreams that were lifelike, that were what you'd call today lucid dreams, and these messengers, messengers in his dreams coming to him, informing him. Well, this is how the mind works, isn't it? When we're in the flow of creativity and our imagination is set free, and I'm not talking generally about dreams, but even in dreams, but I know when I've created paintings or when I'm contemplating a painting, I have images and thoughts and storylines and even dialogues zipping through my mind, little pieces of information. Sometimes I see an image and it touches off a whole kind of uh, thought patterns and so forth. And from those, I get these little aha moments where, yeah, that makes sense to me. And yeah, that applies to that. And oh, what I was thinking earlier about that political video I watched. Yeah, that fits this image of this, uh, this pointed thing and this or this tree or blah, 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 on and on. This is how the mind works, right? So he's talking about all of this information as though it's a pre-existing state that we need to become clearly aware of. This is part of enlightenment. Yeah, awakening. And no, no, don't do that. What do you... Oh, excuse me. Oh, little mischievous dogs. You are getting to be a real distraction. Now lay down, be good. <laughs> My little puppy's in here today. Sorry about that. So he's talking about coming to realize in his life his Anuttara Samyak Sambodai, that everyone gives him credit for being a Buddha, right? He's talking about how that came to him. He didn't invent it. He's already described, Buddha is not me. I am not Buddha. Buddha is something that I have realized and I am now embodying and living, just as you can do. But he's reiterating it in a different form here. And he's saying one of the ways you can live your life as a bodhisattva is to see everyone around you as a potential Buddha. What a great way to keep yourself mindful of the task at hand, especially now in a modern age of so many, not just distractions, but things that are constantly trying to unseat your awareness. Dis distraction at its fundamental is breaking your pattern, trying to get you to react instead of being proactive, right? Working toward your enlightenment. What? Oh, that guy cut me off. 
so much for I got right? Just like taking offense. Do you see? So he's going to repeat what he just said in verse, but I want you to understand the lesson isn't about previous Buddhas and how uh, how he was, he's ancient. There's no contradiction here. Some people might see this as a contradiction, as though he's talking about himself from millions and billions of eras ago, but he's not. He's talking about the Buddha-ness being constantly there, and he became aware of it now, and the same thing he's describing is an ageless problem. There's always going to be those who don't understand or think they understand what they don't understand. And you need to stay the course. That's all this is about, this chapter. In the past, there was a Buddha whose name was King of Imposing Sound. It doesn't matter what his name was. It wasn't a Buddha. It is the, the Buddha state, the engine of life. Hmm? His superhuman wisdom incalculable? Of course it's incalculable. Because it's always on the move, always expanding. With your thoughts, my thoughts, my deeds, my words. Yeah. A leader of all. Of course. It's the basis of life. To whom gods and men, dragons and spirits, together made offerings after this Buddha's extinction, when the Dharma was about to be exhausted... There is no extinction of a Buddha. This is a ploy. So he's using the same ploy because he's about to use it himself. When you believe that enlightenment is gone, you're free to be arrogant, think whatever you want. And if it ever shows up again, you go, oh, sorry, I didn't know. No, it's always. The, the life abides by it. So here's the ploy being used again. When the Dharma was about to be exhausted, there was a bodhisattva named Never Disparaging. At that time, the fourfold multitudes were reckoning in terms of Dharma. The bodhisattva Never Disparaging went before them and spoke to them saying, I do not hold you in contempt. You are all treading the path. Other Buddhas, yeah? And shall become Buddhas. The men having heard, not just the men, but the fourfold, held him lightly and maligned him, abused and reviled him. But the Bodhisattva never disparaging was able to hear this with equanimity. He didn't let it bother. He didn't take offense. He didn't react. Or better still, he reacted with buddhaness, with compassion. Oh, you're hurting. Oh, oh, I'll never hold you in contempt. You're going to be Buddhas. Being reminded of what you can be when you know in the back of your head you're really not, that can piss some people off, right? And they will take offense. <laughs> not that you're offering it. When his penalty had to be paid and he faced the end of his life, he was able to hear this scripture, the Myohorengekyo. And his six faculties were purified. Thanks to his power of supernatural penetration, he increased his lifespan. And now, why would he have supernatural penetration? His act of forbearance enabled him to read people for their pain and their point of view rather than being completely 
buried by reaction, by taking offense, right? When you don't take offense, you begin to see penetratingly how others are wrestling with themselves. What you may be touching off for them that's so sensitive for them. Ow, oh, why are you in such pain, right? Jewel, be good. Be your namesake. Be a jewel. That's a good girl. She's so pretty. Can't believe how quickly she's growing. If I remember when I finish, I'll hold her up so you can see her. If you're interested. Anyway. Uh, thanks to the power of his supernatural penetrations, he increased his lifespan. And again, to others, broadly preached this scripture. The multitude attached to the dharmas, all perceiving the bodhisattva's doctrine and conversion, were perfected and were caused to dwell in the Buddha path. Wow, he's really talking it. Yeah, he's extending my understanding of Buddhism. Hmm, maybe I should listen to him. He changed their minds, right? That's what he, they mean, uh, he means by converted, right? Converted their thinking. When the life of never disparaging ended, he encountered numberless Buddhas. Because he had preached this scripture, he attained incalculable happiness, gradually acquiring merit and then quickly achieving the Buddha path. At that time, never disparaging was indeed myself. So he's describing his own mental apparitions, understanding, penetrating thoughts into the nature of life. And that's when this Myoho Renge Kyo came fully formed to him. And when he first started to spit it out in the Avatamtaka Sutra, nobody understood what the hell he was talking about. And that's, it gave him a breather for a few weeks and he had to reconsider with all of that wisdom, how do I, I mean, it must have occurred to him, and, I, and I've said this before, depending on the accounts, it took between six, seven, or 12 years for him to attain this enlightenment. It must have occurred to him in those first few weeks with everyone going, huh? Oh yeah, I had to work pretty damn hard for this to happen. I'm not being fair. These people haven't gone through all of this stuff. Not that I want them to repeat my, uh, what do you call it? My gauntlet. My gauntlet to achieve what I have now. But I can certainly break it down into the components that I learned along the way and train them to get up to the capacity to understand what I'm talking about. And that is pretty much the program of Buddhism for 50 years, yeah. This is the culminating teaching. Makes sense. It rests on top of the rest. It's the ultimate, the pinnacle, if you will, right? So, let's continue. Let's see if I, how, how long is this chapter? Yeah, we won't get to this. In, oh, yeah, let's try to finish this today. Okay. At that time, never disparaging was indeed myself. Hmm? 
the fourfold multitude at the time, those who clung to the dharmas, right? The counterfeit dharmas, the, the hinayanas, the, and, and so forth from Agama, Theravada, all of those pursuing a nirvana that was a false nirvana given to them as the conjured city explains in this sutra as a respite because they were getting a little, a little tired, hard work, effort. When are we going to get there? And then deciding we'll never get there. It'll have to be given to us by an actual Buddha and it'll be in some remote lifetime and uh, I'm getting tired. Well, Shakyamuni in his wisdom said, well, you can achieve nirvana. Nirvana is just, you know, you're being independent of all your attachments, no longer feeling, you know, cravings and clingings. Oh, okay, I can do that, right? That's arhats, right? Now in this book, he pretty much threw that to the ground and said, okay, this was just a temporary measure. You guys took it seriously, and I understand, but now that you've gotten this far, let's go the route. Let's go all the way. Buddhahood is for this lifetime. That's what all of this has been about since day one. So forget this nonsense about reincarnation and afterlives and all that hoo-ha. That's just fantasy baloney. Everything I've done since day one, since I started seeking the path, was to make this life fully experienced, free of, liberated of, right? Remember the Four Noble Truths? These cravings and clingings, which is what causes us anxiety, stress, pain, suffering, right? Life will be the same, but how you experience it can be different. And this is how to do it. It's not magic. All right. Who heard never disparaging say, you shall become Buddhas now, by virtue of that encountered numberless Buddhas. The Bodhisattvas of this assembly, the multitude of 500 and the, and the fourfold assemblies, the gentlemen and ladies of pure resolve, now in my presence, abide listening to the Dharma in former ages, I encourage these men to listen receptively to this sutra, the first of the Dharmas, explaining and dem the first of the dharmas, the first of the experiences, the first of reality, the instantiation of this cosmos. And you were all there. Everything that instantiated this cosmos is still here. And some of it in the form of humans. Right? The stuff that is the skin isn't new. It's a process, ongoing momentum constantly re-establishing, re-instantiating itself from that potential that's been here since the beginning of the cosmos. Uh, that's so hard to wrap our head around, but it's a fact. Explaining and demonstrating I taught men, causing them to dwell in nirvana. Age upon age they accepted and held scriptural canons like these for millions and millions of myriads of kalpas whose number cannot even be discussed then, at last, they were enabled to hear this scripture of the Dharma Blossom, this method, this Lotus Blossom Dharma that enables you in this era, this time, to simply invoke it. In millions upon millions of myriads of kalpas whose number cannot be even discussed, 
The Buddhas, the world-honored ones, only occasionally preach this scripture. For this reason, the practitioner, after the Buddha's extin extinction, when he hears a scripture like this one, is not to give way to doubts or second thoughts, but is single-mindedly and broadly to preach this scripture. For age upon age, encountering Buddhas and quickly achieving the Buddha path. Encountering Buddhas. What does he mean by encountering Buddhas? What's the lesson? Bodhisattva never disparaging. Everyone he met who was practicing Buddhism was a future Buddha. Encountering Buddhas. The attitude, the intent, always the preeminent factor in Buddha's practice. Next chapter, the supernatural powers of the thus come one. More enumeration on what it's like to achieve enlightenment and the responsibility to maintain for that enlightenment. All right, I hear you. <laughs> Thank you for tolerating the rain. I hope this was useful for you. Thank you for studying. Thank you for supporting. Take a few seconds to like and subscribe. It helps us grow the channel or the Sangha. Yeah, that's a Bodhisattva act. And any support you can offer, either buying an ebook, a print book, a mandala. Don't forget about all the free stuff, the podcasts, and all the information on threefoldlows.com. Links are in the description. Patrons, monthly support. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. And I will leave you with that. You are all future Buddhas, after all. Thank you. Take care of your health, and I'll see you in the next one. All right, bye for now.